Quest for Success, a series we've been looking at over the last few weeks, and uh, we've been planting in Colossians 3.2, and I'd love you to turn there. Uh, if you have a Bible, feel free to open the phone uh, as well. If it's, if it's on there, uh, open your Bibles up and just highlight this verse. This is the verse we've been looking at over the last three to four weeks, and we're continuing that today. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV version, and today we're going to look at a particular word that we have been um, called to be clothed in. It says these words in Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones. How many people know we are chosen by God this morning? Come on, that should put some fire in your bones in itself. If you don't hear anything else this week or this day, to know that you have been chosen by a holy God is an incredible thought and a credible perspective. God has chosen you. That means this morning you're not here by mistake. You're not here by coincidence, but you are here because God planned for you to be here this morning because he has something to say. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. And over the last three weeks, we've looked at those three ones. And today, we are going to be looking at this word, meekness. Meekness, in some of your translations, it will say gentleness. And I'm going to explain why that is. Um, But the word that I want to look at today is this word, Meekness. Meekness is a beautiful word, a word that is often forgotten, a word that is often undermined, a word that often causes confusion. Many of us in this room will have a good understanding of what meekness is, yet many of us won't have an understanding of what meekness is at all. In Matthew 11, Jesus describes his own heart, the center of who he is, the core of who he is, with the word meekness. He says, come to me, all who are tired, because my heart is meek and lowly, or gentle and lowly. And if you come to me, you will receive rest. We better believe this morning, if the heart of Jesus is meekness, it's something that we should desire. Amen? Meekness is an incredible word. An incredible word. Can I tell you a story really quickly? No one wants to hear a story. Okay. I'll just skip that bit. Thank you, Kit. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mim. Okay, let me tell you a story. You've pulled me in. Okay, I'll tell you a story. Um, th- about nine years ago, this is a true story, I uh, used to do uh, a homeless ministry, a ministry uh, serving some of the homeless people in a city up north. And on Saturday night, we used to go out every Saturday night. We'd start at around 9 p.m. and we'd go all the way through the night till about 3 a.m. And me and my friends would go out in a car towards the city and we would go and start building connections and relationship with the homeless people who that evening couldn't afford shelter in, in, in the city. There was one man, and I will never forget this man. He will be edged in my heart for all my days, and he doesn't even know about it. And that's a beautiful perspective of humanity, isn't it? Sometimes people can make such a difference in our lives, and they have no idea they're making a difference in our lives. This man was called Jason. I had a built up a relationship with Jason for a few weeks at this point, and unfortunately, he ended up homeless for no due to his own. Many circumstances went against him, and he found himself with no home. And one night in particular, I went to spend time with Jason. He was the first homeless person I saw in the city. I sat down with him, and I started having conversation with him. And as I was having conversation with Jason, it's the same conversations we had in previous weeks. He knew me, I knew him. Two people came out of this pub and they clearly had a lot to drink. They were out of control of their actions and they didn't know what they were doing. And as they walked up to Jason, one of them kicked the hat that he'd been collecting money in in front of him. The money started to fly around everywhere and they just carried on walking as if nothing had happened. Jason got up out of his sleeping bag and I stood up and I started to pick up the change that had gone everywhere and I put it back into his hat. And as we sat back down, I said, Jason, I'm so sorry that that has happened to you. Jason said, it's okay. It's part of, unfortunately, my life. These things happen. 
I stayed with him for a few uh, more moments, and then I went on with my night and started interacting with other people. As we got to around 2, 3 a.m., it was time for me and my friends to go back to the car park to head home. And as I was walking home, Jason had changed his spot, and he'd moved to a cash point. It was about 2 in the morning. And as I was walking to the car, I saw him, and I thought, well, let me just go see how his night's been. So I went across I said, Jason, how are you doing? Is everything okay? And he said, yeah, I sat down with him. As I sat down with him, my friends went to the car. The same two people, the same two men that had previously caused him grievance and kicked his hat started walking towards us. Everything inside me thought, oh, Lord, please just don't let anything else happen here. Please just keep us safe. Let there be no aggravation, no annoyances. Anyway, these two men were oblivious of, of us. And they went to the cash point. Jason was hoping that as people would start to draw money out for taxis to get home, that he would be in with a chance of getting a £10 or a £5 note rather than loose change in someone's pockets. They started to put their details in. The first one went in, card, put his details in, got the money out, got the card. And then his friend went next, and his friend was all over the place. He was drunk, and he put his card in, he put his details in. And then his friend started to put pressure on him, saying, come on, we need to go, we need to go. So he, he's faffling around, he gets the card out, and then they kind of scurry off down the road. And as they scurry off down the road, I hear something that I believe was the prompting of the Lord, which was a little beeping coming from the cash point, which meant that he had not taken the money that he had drawn out. Now everything inside of me at this moment, being the good preacher Christian that I am, thought, Lord, this is you. Jason, take that money. Go get yourself a nice subway. Spend it how you want. Thankfully, Jason probably knew Jesus a little bit more than I did back then. But he did get up out of his sleeping bag. He did get the cash out, and there was around 100 pounds worth of cash. At that moment, Jason had the power in his hand with this cash to be able to change his evening. He had the power to be able to change, potentially his week, and I don't exaggerate by saying he potentially had the power to change and transform his life. Everything that was in his hand at that moment, he had the power to do something with. Jason decided to do something with that power that I certainly wouldn't have done. Lord, forgive me. But he ran after these two men. He caught up with them. He tapped one on the shoulder and he said, excuse me, sir, you forgot to take your cash. Jason slowly walked back with me. No expression on his face. He came. I was still sat down. I can remember it as clear as day. He got back in his sleeping bag. He sat down and he just went, <sighs> I learned something so precious that evening. So many messages I could pull out from that that I learned from this man, Jason. But here's one that I specifically learned. It's the power of meekness. If I could give you one great definition of what meekness is, and this is what we're going to be looking at today, as the Lord calls us to clothe ourselves in meekness, this is the definition I would give you. Meekness is power under control. Power under control. That's the greatest biblical definition I can give you. It's the greatest hermeneutic definition I can give you. And I believe when we hear the words meekness in Scripture, often it is speaking about this power that is under control. I want to encourage you this morning. God has placed giftings and purposes and powers in your life, but is called to come under the submission and authority of the one who gave us it. I want to encourage you this morning that God has placed something in your life that is powerful. And when it's out of control, it can cause harm. But if it comes under the control of the Father, it can do mighty exploits for the sake of the kingdom. I want to encourage you this morning that we have been called to have a supernatural power that is under control. Have I got an amen or hallelujah in the room yet? Power under control. Let me take you to a scripture really quickly. And this is a demonstration of Jesus showing us what meekness looks like first 
and then what happens when we clothe ourselves in meekness. Are you ready? Oh, good. Okay, we're alive. Come on, Matthew 26, verse 47 to 56, an amazing story of Jesus. He'd been in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'd been praying. He had just asked the Lord. He's about to go to the crucifixion and the cross. Lord, can you just let this cup pass from me? The Father says, no, this is my will. So he gets up. He walks to his disciples. All of his disciples have fallen asleep. He's frustrated at them, most likely. And then this starts to happen. We read it from verse 47 in Matthew 26. Whilst he was still speaking and praying, Judas came, one of the twelve. And with him, a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer that was Judas had given his friends a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. When I do it, seize him. He came up to Jesus at once. Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, just do what you have come to do. And they came up and they laid hands on Jesus and they seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus, which was Simon Peter, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and he struck the servant of the high priest and he cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you not think that I can appeal to my father and that he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? That it must be so. And at that hour, Jesus said to the crowds who were there, and there were hundreds there at the time, have you come out to me as against like a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Do I not day after day sit in the temple preaching and you have never seized me? But all this has taken place right now so that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled, and he was seized. An amazing story of Jesus and the start of his journey towards the cross, in which many of us know have transformed and saved our lives. But we can hear and learn a lot within this passage of Scripture about meekness, because you see, meekness is power under control. I love the fact that Jesus teaches us something in here about this power under control. Jesus is God made flesh. He is the incarnate power of God himself. He was there at the beginning of the world. He created the earths and the stars and the moons and the galaxies. He was there at the beginning making people, making you and I, and then thousands of years later, he comes. Powerful God in control of human flesh. His disciples get angry as he starts to get arrested and he says this word, and I find these words fascinating. At any moment, I could call down 12 legions of angels and they would put a stop to this. Let me give you the power that he's describing there. One legion of the Roman army was around 6,000 people and that was them in full force. Jesus here is specifically speaking to them saying, I could multiply all that you've got by 12 legions of the heavenly hosts would come down and they would stop this at once. In the Old Testament, one of those angels killed over 100,000 people. That's how powerful these angels are. And he stands there, and he says, at any moment, I could call them down. You see, our greatest calling isn't to use the power and giftings and talents that God has given us to fulfill our purpose. The greatest calling is to use our talents, gifting, and fulfillment to fulfill the purpose of God Almighty. You see, we're not here to build our own empires this morning. We're not here to build an organization, and we're not here to build up people to be known. We're here to proclaim the name of Jesus, amen? 
He is the one who is at the beginning. He is the one who is in control. He is the one who is the head. He is the one who is the lead. He is the one who saves. He is the one who heals. He is the one who comes and breaks off the bondages of our lives so we can experience the freedom of the kingdom of God. It is him who is here to be seen throughout it all. And we see here him himself containing his power for the sake of you and for I, because meekness is power under control. Now, in some of your translations, it will say this word gentleness, and I want to give you an understanding why that is. The Greek word that you will find in Colossians 3.12 and throughout the New Testament is this word praus. And this praus word is an incredible word. Our English language translates it, as I say, to gentleness or to meekness. And there's a reason why it does that. It's because our English language doesn't have a word that uh, fully defines the word that is praus. Here's what the word praus means. The Greek word praus means a demonstration of power without undue harshness. And the English language doesn't have a word that conveys both gentleness and power within the same breath. Yet Jesus calls us to have a supernatural power that is displayed through the gentleness of his people. I love this word prowess. It was actually a military word. It's a word that was used to describe the stallions that the armies would go into battle with. Some of you may have seen some films of the stallions pulling the big chariots back in the day. We read in the Old Testament of these stallions taking the people of God into war, into battle. And this word praus is a military word that defines the transition from a wild rebellious horse into the stallion that is prepared for battle. They would take these wild horses from the fields and they would feed them. They would look after them. They would build them up. They would make them strong. These horses could run at 35 miles per hour. They were strong and they were a tool to the victories that the people of God had in physical and literal wars. Yet, even though they were so strong, even though they had gone from the fields to the strength of a stallion, at any point the stallion would stop bolt right if its rider told it to stop. If this rider nudged it in its right, the stallion would go right. If this rider nudged it in its left, the stallion would go left. This is the word praus that defines meekness. Why is this important? Because there is no better picture than what you and I have gone through. We were once wild, rebellious people in the fields doing our own things. And Jesus grabbed our hearts. He brought us through. He trained us. He built us up. He put his Holy Spirit power inside of us. We start to walk with a strength and a confidence, ready for the victories, ready for the battles, ready for that which is ahead. Yet, when our master tells us to stop, we stop. When our master tells us to go right, we go right. When our master tells us to go left, we go left. When he tells us to shut up, we shut up. When he tells us to speak, we speak because we have been called to be clothed in the meekness of God, which is power under control. That's you and I. That's who we are in this story. The meekness of God. I want to gently remind you this morning that God's plans, promises, and purpose over your life, they will prevail and nothing can come against it. The promises that are over the church, God's promises over his church, there is nothing that can stop them and history tells us so. So often in our lives, we feel like we need to fight for Jesus. We need to put on our boxing gloves and we need to defend him. We need to fight for him. We need to make sure that people don't speak bad of him. Yeah, I want to tell you, good. God is so much bigger than we think sometimes. He has gone through the histories. People have tried stopping him and nothing has stopped him. Caesar cannot stop him. Nero cannot stop him. Judas couldn't stop him. The laws and politicians and governments cannot stop him. Demonic forces cannot stop him. Satan himself cannot stop him because he said, it is finished. The victory has come and we are free in him. Power 
under control. You see, the world declares that so many different people are blessed. Blessed are the strong. And blessed are the talented. And blessed are the gifted. And blessed are the alpha males or the alpha females. Blessed are the rich and the popular. And we walk our lives seeing the blessings that we see through our physical eyes on so many different people. And it gets us frustrated. And it grows bitterness in our hearts. And we start to walk around stomping our feet because we see the blessings on other people. I want to tell you, Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 verse 5, Not blessed are the strong, not blessed are the popular, but blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. If you want to experience the blessing of the Lord in your life, you don't need to get stronger. You don't need to get wiser. You don't need to get smarter. You need to take the cloven of meekness and start to wear it. Because the cloven of meekness describes and defines a new way of living, which is power under control. Meekness is that. It's what we're called to become, to allow our giftings, our talents, and our power to come under the submission and the will of God. The second thing we learn from this is that meekness teaches us to fight differently. Verse 51, behold, there was one who was with Jesus and he stretched out his sword and he started swinging and he cut off one of the ears. You see, Simon Peter here, we hear in the other gospels that tell this story. He was trying to help Jesus out with everything that he had. He was using his weaponry, his skills, his emotions, his gifting, his right thinking. And at that moment, as he came around with his sword, he thought he was doing every single thing right because he was making a way for King Jesus. Yet Jesus looks at him and he says, put your sword away. There in itself is a picture of the gospel. I don't know if you're watching online or you're here in this room and You look at us in this room as we sang earlier and we lifted up our voices and we worshipped. I don't know if you've been coming to this church for a long time, but if your perception and perspective of us gathering on a Sunday is religion, I want to tell you you've got it wrong. This is not just a religious organization. This is a Holy Ghost-fueled ecclesia that Jesus is birthing. You see what happens? We do this in our lives and we get out our swords and we try doing everything we can in our own strength. All of our right thinking, all of our passions, all of our talents, all of our giftings, we swing it round for the sake of Jesus, yet Jesus tells us to put your swords away. Why? Why does he do that? He does it because of this. There is nothing that we can do that can rectify this brokenness in our lives, but there is everything that Jesus already has done that already does it. He doesn't need us to do anything to work our way to heaven because he's already done it all. He's already done it all. Every single sin, blemish, failure and mistake, from this last week alone is covered in his blood. It's covered in the cross. We don't need to fight or strive our way towards Jesus. We just need to learn to trust. And when we wear meekness, we start to learn that we can fight differently. We fight by loving. We fight by peace. And we fight through hope. We fight with compassion. And we fight with kindness. If anything, our fighting is putting aside our power in order to lift up the powerlessness of the people. Our fight happens not just by loudness, but through compassion and the values of the kingdom of God. And this truth takes the pressure off our shoulders because it means that we don't always have to have it all together. That sometimes we will have weeks where we choose to put on our old clothing, and for some of us, that's been this last week. 
Anger has been our narrative. Or frustration has been our narrative. Or jealousy has been our narrative. Or bitterness has been our narrative. Friends, you were not designed for those clothes. There is a new wardrobe that the Lord brings to you. And today, he says, pick up the clothing of meekness. So often in our lives, when we come towards battles and difficulties, band, if you want to join me, that's absolutely fine. So often in our lives, when we come through towards conflict and battles and difficulties, there is a mistake that I have made in my life many, many times. The mistake is this. I appropriate God with comfort, and I appropriate the enemy with conflict. When anything is comfortable in my life, when things are going well, I think, this is God. And when any season that I come towards is difficult, and there is battles and stormy seas that are around me, I appropriate that with the enemy. And I want to tell you in my own life, actually what I've learned is sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes it is actually the great reverse. Comfort is a sign of the enemy's plans in our life, yet conflict is a sign of God's invitation for us to become dependent on him within the trials and within the storms. I want to encourage you this morning, if you are going through a battle, if this last season of your life has been difficult, if there's been trials and conflicts in your life, don't always give the glory to the enemy for what he is doing, but give glory to God saying, he is inviting me into a new narrative. He is inviting me into a new story. And what I'm going to learn through this is as I clothe myself in meekness, I will learn to fight differently. And my fight comes in trusting that the battle belongs to the Lord. We fight differently. That's what we're called to do. We're called to fight differently. We're called to have different weaponry to the world. We're called to fight differently to the world. One of the things that Mark's been speaking about so much recently is how it's, it's pained him to see so much of the church arguing with one another. And the reason why that is is because we're not called to do it, but we are called to love one another. We are called for kindness towards one another and show compassion with one another, to live with different beliefs and different lifestyles and different ways to be able to say, do you know what? We can coincide under the same cross this morning. We're called to fight differently. Perhaps when trials come in our lives, we're called to be meek rather than strong. Perhaps when the battles come in our lives, we're called to be meek rather than pretending to have it all together. Perhaps the way through the valley isn't through grit and determination, but it's through trust and meekness. Perhaps conflict isn't always the enemy, but it's there to teach us, teach us to trust, teach us how to be meek, to teach us to walk, to teach us to take off our angry clothes and our self-reliance clothes, and to choose to put on the clothing of meekness that said, God has given me the power to be able to get through this storm, but this power has to come under control. Finally, after Jesus spoke about the 12 legions of, any, of, of the angels coming down at any moment, he then says these words, but how then will the scripture be fulfilled? That is of most important. And I want to tell you that when we wear the clothing of meekness, and this is my final point, when we choose to wear the clothing of meekness, we start to trust in the promises of God.